welcome everyone to a special edition of Couch Potato Diary. Um, one of the like truly huge people in the, the world of sports, really, but specifically the NFL, uh, passing away last week as Jim Brown died at the age of 87 years old. And um, it, it's such an interesting legacy that that he leaves behind. And I I knew that there was a, a bit of like complication around it but then Bomani Jones and then you dive into it and then Bomani Jones I thought really summed it up he said Jim Brown's legacy is only complicated if you're trying to make Jim Brown something Jim Brown maybe wasn't um and so you'll you'll understand that one as we go along but uh, if you have any thoughts on this show or any show that we do, uh, you can send them my way on social media, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. So, without any further ado, here is a look at everything, <laughs> even though it just feels like we're just scratching the surface, on uh, the life and legacy of Hall of Famer Jim Brown. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Jim Brown was born on February 17th, 1936, in St. Simons Island, Georgia. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest running backs in the history of the National Football League. Throughout his illustrious career, Brown left an indelible mark on the sport, displaying an unbelievable combination of size, speed, and power that revolutionized the running back position. He grew up in Manhasset, New York. Brown discovered his love for sports at an early age. Excelling in multiple sports, he became a standout athlete in high school, setting records in football, basketball, and track and field. Brown's talent on the football field caught the attention of numerous college recruiters, leading him to Syracuse University. At Syracuse, Brown dominated the college football landscape. From 1954 to 56, he displayed his exceptional skills, rushing for a total of 2,091 yards and scoring 26 touchdowns. Brown's performances earned him unanimous All-American honors in 1956 and left uh, left their mark on the Syracuse football program. In 1957, Jim Brown entered the NFL as the sixth overall pick by the Cleveland Browns. Who was picked? I, I meant to look this up before. Who was picked ahead of Jim Brown? Let's look at uh, let's look at this because Brown is like at worst like the third best player in the history of the National Football League. All right, uh, so ahead of Jim Brown, Len Dawson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they just have end for uh, Ron Kramer. John Brody at quarterback uh, went number three to the 49ers at two. The LA Rams drafted John Arnett. And at number one uh, to the Green Bay Packers goes Paul Hornung. Nicknamed the Golden Boy. So interesting. Uh, you've got two Hall of Famers and three Pearl Bowlers who went ahead of Jim Brown in the, the first round of what was a 13-team NFL draft. So uh, 
Interesting. Didn't know that. Kind of would have just assumed that he was, you know, the first overall pick. But because when the uh, from the moment he stepped onto the professional field, Brown made an impact. His rookie season showcased his physicality and remarkable speed as he amassed an impressive 942 rushing yards and led the league with nine rushing touchdowns. His dominance continued year after year after year. From 57 to 65, he would break records, setting new standards for the position. Notably, he became the first player in NFL history to rush for over a thousand yards in a season, achieving this feat in each of his first seven seasons, an unbelievable achievement. So think about that. No one before him had rushed for over a thousand yards. He did it, and then again, and then again, and then again, and again, and again, and again. He was also reliable out of the backfield as a pass catcher. He had 2,499 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns during his career. 20 uh, receiving touchdowns, I should say. His contributions to the Browns' offense were instrumental in their success, leading the team to three NFL Championship game appearances. And then, it was over. Brown retired from professional football in 1966. Despite playing only nine seasons, he left a mark on the sport. After his retirement, Brown transitioned into a career in acting, appearing in several films and television shows. Let's stay on the football one for a sec, because this is a, a sports podcast, first and foremost. He is someone who, in he is one of the few athletes, I think, that you could say. It's like him and, even about a decade later, Willie Mays. Uh, and then guys in combat sports, who we'll talk about later. Um, but one of the few guys who you could say, that dude could play today, not change a goddamn thing, and probably be successful. Like, he had the speed and the power that you would more closely associate with today's bruising, but also fast running backs, right? Um... <laughs> another one from the Bomani Jones podcast. Um, he said he played when the helmets were squishy. And you think about like how physical he was as a runner and the position that he played, and he lived to be 87 years old. Um, and we'll get into how maybe there were some issues. Uh, well, probably definitely some issues. But he played till he was 80, or he, he lived until he was 87 years old. It, it From just a footballing standpoint, it really is... An amazing legacy, and there is no denying that he should be, if you are just looking at the football field, he should be on everyone's Mount Rushmore. Uh, some doubted he would stay away from the game for long. Brown did actually stay true to his word, leaving football for good and appearing in more than 30 films, including The Dirty Dozen, 100 Rifles, and later in Mars Attacks and Any Given Sunday. Also, in the 1960s, he threw his support behind black-owned businesses by helping create the Negro Industrial Economic Union. He also connected—sorry, was also connected—to other civil rights leaders of the era, like black nationalist Malcolm X, musician Sam Cooke, and boxer Muhammad Ali. The four were together on the 1964 night that Ali became the heavyweight champion of the world, which inspired the movie One Night in Miami. Um, Brown's resume is such a fascinating one, and we'll get into all of it. In 1965, he was the first black televised boxing announcer when he announced a televised boxing match in the US for the Terrell Chevalo fight. And th this is something that he said that he wanted to really drive home and, and really kind of open doors for uh, black people in movies and black people in television. And he, he certainly found his way into a number of different roles, but, he also had a number of legal issues throughout his life. In 1965, Brown was arrested in his hotel room for assault and battery against an 18-year-old Brenda Ayers. 
probably saying that wrong. He was later acquitted of those charges. A year later, he fought paternity, uh, paternity allegations that he fathered her child. In 1967, Brown, along with Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Carl Stokes, were all members of the Cleveland Summit, a meeting with Muhammad Ali held with the intention of convincing the four to rally behind and recruit others to help Ali's cause of civil rights in the United States. Because Ali was a pariah in American society at the time, because of his opposition to the Vietnam War and refusal to enter the draft, his boxing license had been revoked, and he faced up to five years in prison. For Brown and other participants to stand with Ali in support of him and, and his position, consequently, consequently put, quote, their reputations and their careers at risk. So there's some controversy around that. There's also great controversy around this. Jim Brown supported Richard Nixon, particularly during the late uh, 60s and early 70s, which created controversy and drew a lot of criticism, especially from the African-American community. The controversy surrounding Brown's support for Nixon primarily stemmed from concerns over Nixon's stance on civil rights, uh, civil rights issues. Nixon's administration was perceived by many as having a less proactive approach uh, to advancing civil rights compared to his Democratic counterparts. Some critics argued that Nixon's policies, such as his opposition to certain affirmative action measures, were detrimental to the progress of the civil rights movement. Brown's endorsement of Nixon sparked dissent and criticism within the African-American community, as he was seen by some as betraying the cause of racial equality. Many African Americans believed that supporting Nixon, who they viewed as unsupportive of civil rights, contradicted the goals and principles of the civil rights movement. Brown's support for Nixon had a lasting impact on his reputation, particularly among some African Americans who viewed him as aligning himself with political figure who did not prioritize the advancement of civil rights. The controversy highlighted a division within the African American community regarding political affiliations and strategies for achieving racial equality. In 1968, we're back to the legal problems, as he was accused of throwing his then-girlfriend off a second-story balcony. The following year, he escaped charges that alleged he assaulted another man following a traffic incident. In 1970, Brown was found not guilty of assault and battery, the charges stemming from a road rage incident that occurred in 1969. In 1975, Brown was convicted of misdemeanor battery for beating and choking his golf partner, Frank Snow. He was sentenced to one day in jail, two years probation, and a fine of $500. Um... There's obviously a lot to unpack there. And like he is, it's interesting because he kind of, it was kind of like, I'm going to do civil rights, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not, not saying this is correct by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he was like, yeah, I'm going to focus on uh, black owned business. Going to try to get black uh, people into to the movies and into um, TV shows and boxing commentary, apparently. And he was like, but I'm also going to support this guy. It, it was very much, it seemed like it was difficult to put him into a box is kind of the, the way to, to describe it. And that's why, that's why the, the Bomani Jones kind of characterization of it is very interesting where it's like, yeah, he's complicated if you want him to be something he's not. He just kind of was Jim Brown the whole way, you know? And as far as the... Um, the, the legal concerns, like the throwing his then girlfriend off a second story balcony, that's terrifying behavior. And again, he's not found guilty in most of these convicted of misdemeanor battery and sentenced to a day in jail in 1975. So that there was something there at least, but 
it's uh, I believe I read in one place that he had been arrested seven times in or at least charged seven times in in his life uh, in 1983 17 years after retiring from pro football Brown actually talked about coming out of retirement to play for the LA Raiders when it appeared that Pittsburgh Steelers running back Franco Harris would beat Brown's all-time rushing record. Brown didn't like Harris's style of running, criticizing him for running out of bounds, which was a contrast to Brown's approach of fighting for every yard and taking on the approaching tackler, which is, man, oh man, could, what a flex that would be. Like, hey, think you run like a coward. I'm going to come back at 37 years old after having not played for two decades and show you how it's done. He ended up not doing that and Walter Payton ended up uh, breaking the, the record. In 1985, Brown was charged with raping a 33-year-old woman. Those charges were later dismissed. In 1986, he was arrested for assaulting his fiancée, Deborah Clark. Clark refused to press charges and was later released. In the 1980s, he started the Amer I Can program, which aimed to turn around the lives of young gang members. And that was something that he was really, really passionate about, it seemed like, in kind of the, this last act of his career, um, or la sorry, last act of his life, where it, it seemed like gun violence was something that particularly bothered him. He became really critical of black superstar athletes at the time, such as Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, for not being better role models. And then this one, in just the weirdest fucking Mad Lib you could find, Jim Brown in 1993 was hired as color commentator for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah, Jim Brown was the first color commentator for the UFC, and for their first six pay-per-view events, by the way, he kinda sucked at it. Not great. Not a whole lot. I mean, look, it would be difficult to be like, hey, sir, um, can you come and do commentary for this new sport that you're oh, that the public is only going to be familiar with about 20% of it? Can you do that? Great, thanks. It's going to be, especially with 2023 eyes, it's going to be very easy to be like, oh, you don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. Because, pretty good chance he didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I don't know, in, in my, my studies, didn't see a lot of um, jujitsu tournaments for Jim Brown, you know? Like, I, I'm sure, could punch a dude, um, like, boxing-wise, and kickboxing, maybe, even, and, like, there's certain aspects of, like, oh, well, that guy's getting punched in the head a bunch, that's probably something you should avoid, but it would be a different, it would be a difficult thing to be good at, and it sounded like it. In 1999, um, there was, sir, the, around 99-2000, there, there was an incident, as uh, Brown was charged with vandalism and making terrorist threats against his then-girlfriend. The incident took place at Brown's home in L.A. It was reported that an argument between Brown and his girlfriend escalated, leading to a physical altercation. During the altercation, Brown allegedly damaged the woman's car by smashing its window with a shovel. He was accused of making threats against her. As a result of the incident, Brown was arrested and charged with several offenses, including felony vandalism, domestic violence, and making terrorist threats. He initially pled not guilty, but later changed his plea to no contest. In 2002, Brown was sentenced to probation and counseling as part of a plea agreement. He was ordered to undergo a year of domestic violence counseling, perform 400 hours of community service, and stay away from his ex-girlfriend. The terms of his probation required him to maintain good behavior and refrain from any further violent or threatening acts. Brown was arrested at least seven times for assault, mainly against women. And then on May 18th, 2023, at the age of 87, Jim Brown passed away in his home in Los Angeles with his second wife, Monique, at his side. So there, it is, 
it's an interesting legacy. From a strictly football standpoint, which again, this is a sports show, from a strictly football standpoint, without a question, one of the greatest to ever do it, and is someone who would have fit in in literally every generation of football. Off of the field, he meant so much to so many people. And then he, quite frankly, disappointed so many people as well. And so that is why you can come to the conclusion this is a complicated legacy because of how important he was to the sport, how important he was to several members of his community, but how... I... I Disappointing does seem like a really strong word, but just how let down a number of other people in that community also felt about Jim Brown. And so th this is another one where to, to tell the whole story is a lot. And even just running through all of this, like it feels like each one of the paragraphs that we talked about today could be its own show. It is a, a fascinating life. It is a cautionary tale in a number of ways. And in, another num in, in other ways, it is... Uh, a tale that did a lot of good for a lot of people, but then it also did a lot of bad for a lot of people. Like, it's just, you can't, it feels weird complimenting him because of what he did, or in, in other cases, what he was accused of doing. But it also, it feels like just absolutely trashing him isn't way to go because of what he did. And so it's, it really, it seems like a, a cop-out, especially from a, just a <laughs> white podcast host, but the best way to describe it really does feel like it's really as complicated. Um, so there you go. Jim Brown passing away at the age of 87. That's going to do it for the program today. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening. Back to your regularly scheduled program tomorrow with MLB Buy and Sell. We'll see who starts in the Major League Baseball season. We agree with. Um, and don't agree with. So, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, couchpotatodiary, at yahoo.com. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later. I'm out.